Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Pittsburgh Steelers Retro Show on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's the only show that goes back in time every single week to take a look at the Steelers' upcoming 2020 opponent and go back and look at a game from yesteryear that was truly awesome. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside with me is my partner for a bunch of years here at BTSC, Tony Defio. Tony, what is going on, my friend? I am doing fantastic, Brian. It's great to be with you as always. I can't wait to talk about the last game at Spear River Stadium at the turn of the century. It's weird. Yes, it was. We are going back to the year 2000. It was a time, Tony, when tornadoes were invading the southeastern part of the United States. It was a pretty rough thing all the way up to uh, the Carolinas. Uh, Louisiana was getting it. Alabama, Mississippi. It was pretty rough. Independent Women by Destiny's Child was besting the top 40 charts, and that's before the independent woman, Beyonce, left that band. I know that's a song you were definitely humming along to, weren't you, Tony? I I actually liked Destiny's Child back then. I was a big Beyonce fan uh, for many years. I don't don't know what happened to her. I guess she, uh, she disappeared, but yeah, I used to really like that group. Yeah, nobody knows. We we haven't heard anything from BK in uh in probably what 30 minutes. <laughs> she married some dude. I, I yeah. he's a slacker that doesn't make any money, right. I guess. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> and besting the box office, Tony, was a, a movie that you probably could have starred in. It's called What Women Want. Yes, yes. I would have been the the uh, the, the the other example. <laughs> Don't be too hard on yourself, buddy. That's uh, I think that's far from the truth. Meanwhile, the 7-7 seven and seven Redskins of Washington, we were allowed to call them that back then, and the 7-7 seven and seven Steelers were set to face off in the final game ever, like you alluded to, Tony, at Three River Stadium. We are going to relive that awesome classic as it was a great day in Steeler Nation. And what was so great about it, Tony, was the fact that to start the game and after the game there were ceremonies reliving some of the greats to play in that 30-year stadium tony who were they uh most of the uh the, the all-time greats from the super bowl 70s teams it was it was a nice uh thing to relive when i watched it online a couple weeks ago it was really uh really cool to see all those old timers who looked a lot younger uh back then i didn't realize how young they look now that i'm in my late 40s that's about how old they were then so it was it was pretty cool to see yeah, we saw guys like Jack Lambert, Mel Blunt was there, Franco Harris. In fact, Jerome Bettis was out. He was the star of the team at the time at running back, and he was out hugging and hanging out with Franco before the game. Lots of great names out there. You had Ham, you had Stallworth and Swan, and even Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam, when they showed him on the screen, the fans went nuts for him, which was absolutely phenomenal lots of greats to play in that stadium and when Heinz Field is done there will be lots of greats visiting for that ceremony too but hopefully that will be a long time we might see a name change coming up soon but that stadium should last a long time it's it's still in fantastic shape Tony oh it's a Heinz Field is a a, still in great shape and I can't believe it's, it's almost 20 years old and as far as Three River Stadium, those those uh, legends you mentioned, they, that those are the guys that made that that stadium legendary. Old Three River Stadium, they they made it a ho- house of horrors for many many people for many years. Yes, they have. So let's go back in time, Tony, to December sixteenth of two thousand and relive this great game. Do you remember what you were doing back then? I think I was for some reason I was watching the game at my mother's house. I, I can't remember why, but I was I was at her house watching this game, and I was I was uh, uh, looking forward to it because the Steelers were 
hanging on for a playoff spot. And I wanted to see all the, uh, the, uh, the events that surrounding the last game at three rivers. So I, I think that's why I was over her house. And you know what? I missed most of this game live the first time around. And I was on my way to Charlestown, West Virginia. Well, I was living in West Virginia at the time and getting ready to go to a Christmas party for my work at the time. It was uh, one of those Christmas parties where they put you up in a hotel and you stay the night and you dress to the nines. And I got to the hotel to see maybe the end of it. But years later, I got to relive it. And it was a pretty cool thing because it put me back right away. And it was really cool to watch those players. But let's get started, Tony. Washington won the toss. And Terry Rubisky, he was the coach. And the reason he was the coach is because Norv Turner was fired just a few weeks before. This team was a team that started out 6-2. and two, And they ended up with a 7-7 seven and seven mark. And they were trying to make the playoffs as well. Would they make it? Well, they would have to win this game too. And they had a lot of veterans from old teams, ghost of NFL past, like Bruce Smith, Deion Sanders. You had Mark Carrier. Jeff George was the quarterback on this team. Andre Reed. So Daniel Snyder was fairly new in his ownership and he brought all these guys in thinking a dream team would win them a championship. And they started off well, but then faltered, Tony. Yeah, it's uh, another lesson that a lot of owners have learned over the years. And you can't put a bunch of stars together and hope to get a uh, championship team out of it. But I was, as I re- we watched this game uh, a couple weeks ago, I was surprised. I, was, I, was, I forgot all about this super team that he put together. Dion and Jeff George, Andre Reid, uh, Champ Bailey. He was a young guy on that team. And, and of course... Irving Fryer was on this team. I didn't yes. know the number one team, the number one draft pick from 1984. I have his rookie card. I, I could not believe it. I, it was, it was pretty cool to see, to see all these, uh, all these guys in, in, in the Redskins uniforms at that time. They did have some young players. They had the number one and number two pick in the draft that year. Number two being somebody that we all know in Western Pennsylvania, LeVar Arrington, who oh, was yeah. a rookie and he played in that game. Tell you what, it was really special game to watch for me. Seeing all of these names really took me back. Chris Brown kicked off the ball, and Jeff George comes out. It's only his sixth game as a starter. And in the first series, Washington rode Stephen Davis early and often against the Steelers' defense. But guys like Earl Holmes, LeVon Kirkland, and even Joey Porter forced George to burn a timeout and stop Davis short on third and one to force a Tommy Barnhart punt. You would see a lot of Tommy Barnhart in this game, Tony. On the Steelers' very first play, Marco Coleman sacked Cordell Stewart on first down. And Cordell Stewart, as he always did, started off games slow. And this was no exception. Why was that with Cordell, Tony? I think in this particular case, he was uh, just get, finding his groove uh, late in the year because uh, he replaced Ken Graham, who, was the, uh, who started the year as a starting quarterback. That's, that's, that's my, my theory anyway. So Cordell comes out. He sacked. Then you had a six-yard run by Jerome Bettis. Then here's Cordell again throwing an errant pass that was almost intercepted by another legendary older player, Daryl Green. They didn't have to bring him in. They brought him in with a 28th pick of the draft in 1983. So Josh Miller has to come on to punt. The Redskins took the ball again. They're moving the chains and moving them well. And then they were faced with a fourth and one. Instead of sending out another grizzled veteran, 
remember Eddie Murray, and we're not talking the guy from the Baltimore Orioles. We're talking the kicker that played a long time with the Detroit Lions. He comes on, and they have a chance for a field goal at the 36, which would have been well past his range. They decided not to do that. Instead, Jeff George goes with a hard count, took it to his advantage, and forced Chris Sullivan, number 74, into an encroachment penalty and a first down. That play doesn't always work, but the veteran George made it happen against a young Steelers defender, Tony. Yeah, that was a big, big moment in the game. Uh, sp- speaking of, of players I, I didn't know were on this team, I, I did, I did know, not know Eddie Murray was on this team at that time. As you said, the longtime Lions kicker. And I had never heard of Chris Sullivan. So that was, I'm sure uh, Bill Cower wasn't happy with the young player uh, for this uh, play at that point in the game. Sullivan was a guy that I remembered, but uh, not well. Another one started in this game was Ainsley Battles, a guy that I completely forgot about. He made the stat sheet and he showed up quite a bit um, with some pass, uh, with some good pass coverage, Tony. Yeah, it's an, another youngster I, I forgot all about. Yeah, but he was, you're right. He was very active in this game and he was, a, he would prove to be a, a pretty vital member for the Steelers uh, defense that day. Absolutely. So the skins get the ball. They continue to keep the ball. Then they got cute. And Joey Porter, who already had four tackles early in this game, sniffed out a reverse to James Thrash for a nine-yard loss. Here comes Eddie Murray again. So he's going for a 32-yard field goal. And with 3.02 left in the first, it's now 3 to nothing Washington, as the kick was true. To make matters worse, LeVon Kirkland was drilled by Earl Holmes and friendly fire and was out with what was thought to be a concussion. But he ended up coming back into this game because the concussion protocol was just not what it used to be. And, well, it wasn't what it is now, Tony. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see that. Uh, actually, I, I guess I wasn't surprised. I, I guess I, I, we've been so used to the, the, the new uh, reaction to, to, to head injuries in, in the modern era that I forgot that, that they, they weren't taken nearly as seriously as they were even as recently as 20 years ago. Yeah, just 20 years later, it's a whole new world of football. So after another three and out, Josh Miller booted a 70-yarder down to the visitors' one-yard line, but number four bobbled the ball, and the Steelers took off and were nailed for ineligible men downfield. So let's do it again. The next punt attempt was nearly blocked, but Miller just got it off. There's another three and out with Washington, and that's going to be a theme for the day. Barnhart kicks it away. As time ran out on the first quarter, the Redskins were only up three to nothing, but they were dominating time of possession 1214 to 246 and had 91 yards compared to the Steelers having a mere eight. That's not really good, Tony. So you've got to hope at this time that they could finally put something together because this team did not show up in the first 15 minutes of play. Tony, what were your thoughts? I was thinking, man, they have to they have to get get it going because time is running out for them. Not on, not not only at Three River Stadium, but for their chances of making the playoffs. And, and Cordell, as you said, he was always a notoriously slow starter in, in that era, and he really they really need to find a rhythm on offense if they were going to have a chance in this game. Absolutely, and we're going to find out if they got a chance to get back into this game when we come back right after this on the Steelers Retro Show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Tony Defio. 
We are back. The Steelers struggled in the first part of this legendary game from the year 2000 as they're taking on the artist in the future to be known as the Washington football team. But back then they were the Washington Redskins and they were beating the Steelers three to nothing in what would be the last game ever at Three Rivers Stadium. To start the second quarter, the Steelers picked up some yards as Troy Edwards was interfered with. Finally, they pick up yards. He was interfered with by Champ Bailey, a future All-Pro, and the line of scrimmage moved then from the 12 all the way to the 32. That would spark the Steelers' offense as Cordell Stewart was flushed immediately out of the pocket, but then he finds Bobby Shaw to be wide open after beating Deion Sanders, and the crowd goes crazy when Deion Sanders gets beaten up in Three Rivers. They could not stand that guy. It was a gain of 33. Was it cool to watch Deion be flustered. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and to be and to see Neon Dion get flustered by a, a, a journeyman type receiver like Bobby Shaw was pretty funny, but it was a, something that really sparked Steelers offense and they really needed it at that time. Bobby Shaw was definitely the guy in this game. The next play was just as exciting as the Steelers tried to reverse that did not work, but Heinz Ward re-reversed field for a 12 yard run and a first down it was a beauty of a play. It was not quite Marcus Allen in the Super Bowl in 1984, but it was pretty neat, Tony. It really was. He showed great instincts on this play, and, and Heinz never gets the credit he deserves for being a, a, a great athlete. You know, he wasn't the, the best athlete, but he, he certainly was better than people gave him credit for, and, he, and that was certainly on display on this, uh, on this big reverse, as you mentioned. It was a big play, too. On third and seven from the 19, Stewart looked to be really dead on the rush, but his legs, as always, would get him out of trouble with an eight-yard gain for the first down. But Cordell was almost intercepted, and the 78-yard drive stalled at the 11. Here comes Chris Brown. He hits a 28-yarder, and the score was tied to three with 9.56 left in the half. It was a missed opportunity. On the Redskins' very first play of the new possession, George went deep to Irving Fryer, a guy you mentioned before, but Dwayne Washington snagged it at the 30 for his fifth pick of the year and new life for the Steelers. That fifth interception would lead the team, but for how long? A few plays later, Cordell dumped a pass off to Jerome Bettis, who rumbled behind Roger Duffy. There's another cool name for a 25-yard mm. game. Then things unraveled for the Steelers again after two straight sacks of Stewart, one due to an errant snap and another due to an encroachment penalty on Nolan Harrison that was picked up. Yeah, they threw the flag, Tony, and then they picked it up. It was weird because he was definitely offsides. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the officials were thinking there. I mean, if you if you see something and throw throw a flag, why why take it back? So that was uh that was puzzling. And that flag was drenched because there was a steady rain the entire time in this game. Maybe the rain got to their brains. I don't know, but it wasn't good, and it was frustrating. The Steelers had a punt because of that, and Deshae Townsend down Miller's punt down at the Washington 3. Washington could not do anything with the punt, but Cordell Stewart wouldn't get the opportunity to do so either when there was a big play from a pit guy, Tony. What was it? It, this one shocked me. It was a 53-yard punt return by cornerback Hank Poteet, a University of Pittsburgh product, and I forgot all about this play. And it turns out it was the longest uh, punt return for a touchdown in Three River Stadium history. So uh, what a spark. Uh, Hank Poteet didn't have the greatest career here, but this certainly was a memorable moment for him. Now the Steelers are up on top. There's 335 left 
in the half, and it's now 10 to 3 Pittsburgh. On the next series, things would get worse for George and the Redskins as Chad Scott wrestled the ball away from Albert Connell for his fifth interception of the year. Now he's tied for the team league with Dwayne Washington, Tony. Yeah, Chad Scott and uh, Dwayne Washington, they weren't, they didn't, you know, they weren't the, uh, I guess, most memorable uh, quarterback duos, but, but they were, they were pretty, uh, pretty decent veterans for them. And, and they were, uh, they were pretty good players for them during this era. I would think that unit, that corner unit was probably stronger. One of the stronger units on the Steelers at the time in the year 2000, following the pick Cordell, he comes on, he and Jerome continue to move the chains. And then Richard Huntley ran it all the way down into the end zone from the four yard line. Just like that. It was 17 to three. 28 seconds before halftime the clock ends up running out it's a halftime score of 17 to 3 tony are you feeling better here i'm feeling great at this point Uh, to me it feels like it felt like the the steelers were in total control even though they were only up by two scores it seemed like the uh the redskins were searching for answers that that they that they couldn't even that they weren't going to be able to find that's how it looked to them they looked totally lost at that point Okay, you're going to love my notes coming up here because I'm looking down at my notes and I laugh because I wrote something emotional down. So I'm just going to keep it in and see how you react to it. After the half, the Steelers get the ball back, but they couldn't get things going at all. After a penalty on the punt, the Steelers had to kick again. And then Josh Miller bobbled the snap again. This is the second time in the game. He got hit in the head by Andy Kalu and took a while to get up. He's laying there on the ground. Here's my note. Matt Millen is a complete a-hole. Matt Millen was calling the game for CBS, actually for Fox in this game. And he was talking about basically how much of a wimp the punter was for being on the ground and almost like he deserved it. It was a horrible call. Wow, Tony, I was incensed. Were you like I was? Well, I'll, tell, I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I wasn't expecting it, but I'm glad you did because I, I made a mental note of that. I, and I thought, what is wrong with him? Why would, if, if a punter gets hit in the head and he has a concussion, it has nothing to do with his toughness. And whether he's a punter or not, if you, if you get a concussion, you, you're going to be worse for wear. So I don't know what, that's that old school uh, mentality that I guess guys like Matt Millen had at that time. But it, it really was, even for 2000, it seemed pretty off for him to say that. Well, I actually, uh, as we're as we're doing this broadcast, I saw that Matt Millen was uh, uh, t- trending on Twitter on Saturday, the Saturday be- before this broadcast, and it said uh, something like, "Please don't let Matt Millen broadcast any Rutgers games." <laughs> so I guess he's still making people angry twenty years later. <laughs> I will have to check that out. Yeah. I, hey, once a Raider, always a Raider, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> There you go. The Redskins took over on the Steelers 19, but Ainsley Battles, we talked about him before, and Kimo von Olhoffen forced a Stephen Davis fumble on the first play. Dwayne Washington recovered, and the Steelers had the ball back at their own 17-yard line on the next series. Cordell connected again with Bobby Shaw on another 33-yard pass play. That was the second 33-yard pass play to Bobby Shaw. To make matters worse for Washington, Bruce Smith, the old man, slammed down Cordell and was nailed with a 15-yard penalty. The Steelers had a first down on the Skins 32, but a holding penalty dropped Pittsburgh back, and Chris Brown came on to punt for the concussed Miller. But then he doesn't punt. He gets waved off, and running on the field is Josh Miller, of all all people. So Matt Millen, he's not tough? 
Exactly. Uh, there, there's, there's a whole cup full of toughness for you, Matt Mellon. Uh, the punter comes right back on, he waves the kicker off and comes back on and punts. So to me, that showed a lot of heart by, uh, by Josh Miller at that point. And I loved it even more. And this is something that, like I said, I didn't see 20 years ago, but watching it today, I'm like, there you go, Joshy. That's one of the reasons I love that guy. So Miller drops the ball inside the Washington five. The skins started moving the ball well, but the Steelers defense clamped down and Washington had to punt again. After some runs, some nice runs actually by Stewart, Bettis, and Huntley, also completions to Bobby Shaw and then Heinz Ward, the Steelers came up a yard short and had to punt again. So lots of punts in this game, more Miller. In the fourth quarter, the Redskins were moving the ball, but Jason Gilden, who was a newly minted pro bowler at the time, sacked Jeff George to force another punt. It was nice to see Jason Gilden get that pro bowl nod he was a special player for Pittsburgh, Tony. He was, and probably a, a very underrated player uh, throughout uh, Steelers history. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of a lot of uh, noteworthy pass rushers, a lot of popular pass rushers. But when he retired, when he left here, he was the all-time leader in sacks. So uh, he, he he was. This is right around the time when he was really starting to come into his own as a as a as a sack master for the Steelers' defense. On the next series, Bettis took over with Dan Kreider leading the way. The bus had a twenty-two yarder, but needed a breather. In comes Richard Huntley, a guy who I still have his jersey. It's one of those old screen printed deals that I got from Value City for like $6.99, but I wore it on a podcast recently, Tony. Hmm. Richard Huntley from North Carolina AT&T comes, a, not AT&T, A&T, comes in to spell Bettis, and he took it 30 yards for the score immediately. And with 10.43 remaining, the Steelers lead 24-3. to Matt Millen declared the game over, and it pretty much was at that point what were your thoughts tony when huntley scored that big touchdown for the last time in three river stadium yeah the, the, the very last player as it turns out the very last Steelers to score a touchdown the very last player period and it was a great effort by him a very great effort uh second and third effort on on, on that play by by huntley and, and it was the one time in the game that i did agree with matt bellin because it, it, that was pretty much the uh, final uh, nail in the coffin for the redskins at that moment Yes, it was. After that, Joey Porter knocked George out of the game and in came Brad Johnson, but it would not make that much of a difference. The Redskins, they were having no luck at all on the day. Case in point, on fourth and three from the 33, Johnson completed to Steven Alexander for the first down. He broke three tackles and rumbled towards the end zone, but a knockout by Jason Simmons, another Anonymous guy saw the ball skip through the back of the end zone and the Steelers got the ball on their own 20. No chances to score for the Washington Redskins on that day, Tony. Not, not at all. It was, it was a great uh, defensive effort by the Steelers and, and it was a hard hitting affair and they really took it to the Redskins and, and the Redskins were, uh, they were probably ho- glad to be eliminated from the playoffs after this game because they were, they really took a beating. You know what? There really was not much more to go on in that game. And then the Steelers took it over. They had a chance to score again because there was another turnover in this game. Um, This time, Aaron Smith got the fumble, picked it up. The Steelers now were on the 12-yard line, and they ended up running out the clock. That's it. The people in the stadium were rejoicing. The Steelers closed out one of the great stadiums, not because of what it looked like, but what it represented, Tony. Absolutely. A lot of great history in that stadium, not just for the Steelers, but even for the Pirates. They had a, 
they had a great run in, in, in the seventies and then again in the early nineties. So for the Steelers to close it out with a, with a, a, a an impressive victory and to keep their playoff hopes alive. I think it was, it was, it was very fitting. I cannot tell you how many times I walked through that three river stadium turnstile, whether it being the Steelers, whether it being the pirates and even being the penguins, because I watched the penguin celebration in 1992 in that very field. It was, uh, that was just a special place for me. That was Pittsburgh, not just them. I saw Pink Floyd there, Billy Joel, Elton John, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, a lot of concerts. That was my place, Tony. And I'm sure it was yours. Growing up in that area, Three River Stadium, like I said, it was a cookie cutter. It looked like an ashtray, but it didn't matter. That was a very revered and special place with the greatest of memories. And that was the last memory ever for that place. Absolutely. I, I, I grew up in my teenage years anyway, in the, in the West end of Pittsburgh and where we were located, you, you could hear the, the PA announcer during pirate games, during Steeler games. So that's something I'll, I'll always uh, uh, treasure is, 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 is those, those years and three river stadium was a very special place to me. And it was back in the days when I can go to baseball games for a dollar. It, it was just a, it was, it was a fun time and it was, it was sad to see it, see it go. Yeah. Buck night. I remember buck night. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. You could just, Two dollars, and you got to cut it. You and a friend, you get to go watch a game. Uh, nine innings of Major League Baseball. It was something that you probably can't do today, but for, for at the time, it was it was it was pretty fantastic for a teenager. And the day this is being recorded is the thirtieth, the thirty eighth anniversary of my first Steeler game ever with my dad. I got it for my eleventh birthday, I believe. Yes, in nineteen eighty two, I went to this. Uh, a chief Steelers game. And it was so special for me to go to that stadium and to see everything that uh, I saw on TV for all those years and be a part of it. It felt bigger than life, Tony. And I remember that 38 years later, that's not really a game to do on the retro show because it was such a blowout, but I got to see Bradshaw. I got to see those guys and to see those guys in their jerseys and ball caps celebrating being on that field for the last time as well was so special to me because they even now as a man of almost 50 watching these guys now they were heroes then and they're heroes now and that makes this stadium to me a hero tony absolutely and, and people you know three river stadium you know people talk about the aesthetics but it's that old saying it's it's you know it's the people that make make a house a home and that's certainly what three river stadium was a lot of great people went uh came and went in that, in that uh, stadium over 30 years. And, and, and it's, it's a, it's a place. I still have a picture of, uh, of downtown Pittsburgh with three river stadium in it. And it's, and it's something I, I, I cherish to this day. And somebody bought me a picture of them imploding it. And I put it up for a little bit and I took it down because it hurt too much to see, because like you said, and you couldn't have said it any better. And I didn't even come up with this. That was a home to so many people. And so I put that picture away. I never really want to see it again. I have a picture that my sister got me of them playing inside Three River Stadium. And they had it superimposed on the uh, on the scoreboard where, you know, it was just Photoshop. It said Steelers welcome Brian Davis. And oh, that's awesome. That's what I keep because what a great place. We don't have the Steelers that we do now without what went on in three river stadium for all those years from the immaculate reception to the game against the Colts to go to that super bowl in 1995 to everything else. So 
God bless Three River Stadium, Tony. Absolutely. It was, it, it's something that, you know, when I was growing up, we, all I heard about was Forbes Field. Forbes Field. If, I, if somebody yelled at me for playing ball in the street, they would say, go down to Forbes Field and play. I'm like, Forbes Field, that's, that's gone. And so this is, this is my Forbes Field, Three River Stadium. That's the, that's the one that I, that, that was my park as a kid. So it's, it's always going to have a special place in, in, in my heart. Well, thanks so much, Tony. I appreciate it. This was a fun game to watch as we go ahead and uh, look forward to the Steelers playing the Washington football team. We will check back next week with you when we take a look at a fun game against the Buffalo Bills. But until then, for Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Take me away. I don't mind, but you better promise me I'll get back in time.